It's Cole's Friends and Family Sale with an extra 20% off. Save on Keurig coffee makers. Get twin XL bedding sets for just $47.99. And with 25% off top active brands, save on Under Armour gear for the family. Plus, get limited contact store drive up. And get a little more for your wallet with Kohl's Cash. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. 20% off for valid July 30th through August 2nd with promo code SHOPFAMILY. 25% off Under Armour valid July 29th through August 9th. Offers and coupons do not apply. Select styles. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Art of Relationships Radio Show is copyrighted. No one is to use any part of the show without express written consent from myself, Greg Tuzinski, or the Art of Relationships. Thank you. Welcome to the Art of Relationships Radio Show. Greg has been a relationships expert guest host on numerous radio shows. He promises that this show is for you and to help listeners become more fulfilled, healthier, and happier in your relationships and lives. Licensed relationship and sex counselor Greg Dazinski, the Art of Relationships radio show, will cover crucial elements in rebuilding emotional and physical intimacy, plus help in reigniting the passion in your romantic relationships. He also welcomes live calls from listeners in helping with these very challenges. No more tit-for-tat arguments. Greg gets to the root of couples' challenges in a rapid, matter-of-fact format, plus applies compassion and humor. Join in discovering how to improve your romantic relationship and your own life. Listen, laugh, and grow happier. Greg is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Michigan. To others, he's simply known as Master G. Hey, everybody. Welcome. This is Greg Dzinski, uh licensed professional counselor, of course, here in downtown Detroit. Um, relationship sex specialist, and I also specialize in trauma, like PTSD aspects, and also grief and loss challenges, which I am going to, and I post it all over Facebook, um, that I am definitely going to step outside the box and going to try to talk about grief and loss issues associated you know, with the holiday season coming up. Um, I covered this aspect a little bit last year uh, around this same time, and I wanted to uh, sort of talk about this now, and it becomes a holiday where a lot of people, you know, Thanksgiving, everybody's, you know, happy, family, uh, you know, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever your, you know, practices are, it, it, those don't matter. It seems like around the holiday season, grief and loss tends to get sort of pushed away, tends to be ignored by, I want to say, maybe mainstream America, maybe in the world even, but I can't speak for that, um, where they sort of ignore grief and loss and everything. Oh, it's the holidays, right? You're supposed to be happy, go out and spend money you don't have, and, um, you know, everyone's happy. Everyone should be you know, all giddy, everybody should be um, just ecstatic, right? And being able to look at those aspects that you need to sort of chill out a little bit and realize that there are many people out there that are suffering, you know, they're suffering um, a loss, you know, maybe they've been through a divorce, but also 
they are, you know, grieving the loss of a loved one. They are, you know, they miss their loved one, passed away. It could be a father, um, you know, father, mother, grandparent, sibling. Um, oh, my God, heaven forbid, a child. And I work with too many people, too many clients as well that have lost children over the years. And they're, um, you know, fortunately, I have not experienced that myself, but I can tell you um, it is grueling. It is just emotionally, um, there's just no words to describe it. So, um, and I have had too many friends over the years that lost children. I've dealt with, you know, clients that, um, you know, they were kids, teenagers. They had, you know, leukemia, brain tumors, whatever, and they ended up passing away. And it's so, oh, my God, it's very emotional. And this show is designated, of course, to try to help you through grief and loss dynamics. Most shows, you know, I talk about relationship, marriage, and sexual dynamics, of course, you know, the Art of Relationships radio show. But I'm going to talk about the relationships lost uh, this evening. I, It's uh, very, I'm going to warn the listeners out there as well. It's very, can be very emotional. You know, I'm going to share some stories of clients, of course, keeping their confidentiality and privacy intact, of course, but that I have dealt with. And this isn't an... You know, I I never believe, I'm not one (laughs) to play the victim role. Oh, me, oh, me. That isn't what it's about. It's just about trying to get people to maybe realize and try to get in touch with those. Maybe you're out there listening. You have lost, you know, a loved one and having difficulty trying to deal with it, trying to conceptualize it. And where to go. So it's not, I'm never about, oh my God, I hate that. I'll never play the victim role whatsoever. It is trying to help people and trying to, the stories are trying to relate. Maybe listen and show you can relate to maybe some of the stories. And also, I want to give, of course, the main aspect is trying to give you some coping aspects, maybe to give you a new perspective on, you know, when you lost a loved one. Again, it is not easy. It's it's grueling. It's emotional. And everybody, you know, especially in this country, right? You know, most employers, they're going to give you three days bereavement pay, and then they'll tell you, get your ass back to work. Hurry up, suck it up, get back to work. Oh, my God. It is very grueling. It is very disheartening that this world wants you you know, maybe our society, I shouldn't say the world, our society, American society, want you to hurry up, suck it up, get back to work, put a Band-Aid on it. And how can you do that, you know, with the death of a loved one, with the death of a child? And even if you had like an older relative, an older parent that, you know, maybe they're in their 90s and they're dying of natural causes, and you are, you know, you're prepared, right? So <laughs> I say, I'm laughing now, right? That you're prepared. Older, older now, you know, I, I can, you know, get through this. You know, I'm ex- they're expecting to die, right? They're older, whatever, health is dissipating. 
and I'm expecting her to die. It still hurts. It still sucks. No matter how much you prepare for it, how much you try to reconcile with your own self, you know, and trying to rationalize might be a better term, and trying to handle those situations, it still hurts. But think, you know, in the event of, you know, a sudden death, you know, a heart attack, um, car accident, oh, my God, a murder, um, you know, all kind of stuff, suicide aspects I've dealt with over the years, too many to uh, just too many to mention over the years. So, yeah, part of me is a huge smart ass. Most people listening to my show knows that. You know, I like joking around, like having a good time, but I will never, ever joke around about grief, loss, you know, rape survivors, those situations whatsoever. Even people's relationship dynamics, you know, it's gut-wrenching, it's hurtful. So this one's going to be a little bit emotionally heavy this evening. It's not going to be a lot of joking around, a lot of, um, you know, maybe, you know, light at heart topics that I hit on 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 most of the Art of Relationships radio show. But this is a way I'm hoping to help other people endure with the holidays. And if you're, you know, if you have not endured the loss of a loved one, it is, um, maybe it's going to help you help a friend that has endured the loss of a loved one or, you know, is going through that. And not only the death of, I don't want to just leave it with the death of a loved one, but around the holiday times, you know, there's a lot of people that are, you know, going through a divorce or separated, and those are huge losses. Or, you know, you have a medical condition and you become disabled or disabled from an injury, car accident, work aspect, but maybe you can't work anymore. Maybe, you know, be, you're become paralyzed and all of a sudden your sex life is gone and everything else and you're paranoid about not only losing your identity as a man, as a woman, but you're worried about losing your loved one. Those are, these are all grief and loss issues that a lot of people maybe ignore, don't look at. Let's face it, who, who wants to look at this crap? But it's unfortunately a part of life, and I want to try to help you and hold your hand through these very, you know, challenging, horrific aspects to try to look at different perspectives. And again, like anything else, you know, my perspectives, they're not right or wrong. I'm hoping that they will help you. That's what I want. I never, ever, ever come across as, you know, oh, you have to do what I say. I'm not that type of person. Um, not, not at all. I'm not that type of person. I'm not that uh, type of uh, professional when I'm helping clients whatsoever. And my philosophy is that, um, you know, therapists, whatever that come across, you do as I say, I'm the professional, whatever. They need to be punched right in the throat. Um, that it, they don't live your life, and that's just, it's unprofessional and ethical. But anyways, um, added on to the grief and loss dynamics, there are a lot of them lately. I know a lot of friends. Uh, my own daughter uh, went through this last weekend, too, is the loss of a pet. You know, you have a pet for, say, a lot of years, and they're a, a family member. They they can give kids and you um I mean, they can be 
sort of a pain and a butt chew up stuff, you know, let them outside, a dog and all that. And I'm a huge animal fan, as most people know. Um, but they provide such a sense of a comfort, uh, you know, even not only with, you know, kids. They can be a kid's best friend. They talk to the pet when they're upset, when they're, you know, mad at mom or dad, whatever. Um, they're always there, always, you know, providing comfort when that's not there any longer that it sucks it hurts and a lot of people you know realize and someone a friend of mine posted on facebook that had to put their dog down and was asking you know the boss mentioned you know how much it costs oh i could have just done it for free and strangled it you know it's it, people don't they're assholes when they come i get how you know i'll just say it out there you know they're assholes they don't get it um they, they're emotionally not intelligent on an emotional level. They're just, <laughs> they're clueless, you know. And those people, um, it's, they suck. Simple as that, okay? Now, the Art of Relationships Radio Show, I want to give a shout-out. You can give me a call. You know, if you're enduring a grief and loss situation, please give me a call. And also, like I mentioned always, it doesn't have to relate to grief and loss. I'm all about having you, you know, give me a call. And the Art of Relationships radio show, it is about helping you. So give me a call, whatever, any questions, you know, grief and loss dynamics or, you know, relationship challenges as well. Give me a call, 313 313- Six one four nine four nine eight. Again, three one three six one four nine four nine eight. You can also join me and hopefully others tonight. I know um, I gambled tonight. If this was a you know with the the biggest bar night of the year in America, if this is. Um, you know, about holding a show, but I think it's important and um, talking about those aspects. So welcome, Rhonda. Nice seeing you in chat. And I know a lot of, you know, Rhonda pretty well and what she's endured too. You know, she, you know, constantly worried about losing my one and only living son. And she has lost, um, you know, she has lost a child before, and it's very excruciating. And I, um, you know, have, oh, my God, so many, you know, past, if you will, um, I have dealt with, um, you know, too many people have lost kids. And we'll get into, you know, the anniversary of losses and with the holidays, that you look at the situation, yeah, I know, Rhonda, it's, I didn't want to, I know, three out of four kids, and I know someone different, you know, different diseases and uh, genetic uh, issues and everything else, and I know, um, like I mentioned, uh, I have somebody new on chat as well, and I don't mention anybody's name unless you give me permission to use your name. Then I'll use your name, and if not, I'll just say, hey, you or someone on chat, individual as well. You know, it brings up more fair, the individual on chat I've known as, I've known for actually quite a few years now, 
and you know enduring um you know our uh, i don't know if you want to call it our you know with cancer coming back and it's a i know it is untreatable they are you know they try to delay the inevitable but you know trying to deal with that you know is this going to be my last holiday with you know, my family, my kids, and all these aspects. So, like I said, it's a very, very emotional topic that we're going to get into. And most people, like I said, that know me, you know, students of mine that know me personally, um, they know. I love joking around. I'm a huge smartass, but I'm also very compassionate, very empathetic. And I have cried with clients, cried with kids, uh, people that have lost, um, you know, lost loved ones, lost kids. Um, I'm very human. I am not the type of, and I hate it, too many professionals in this field, oh, it's got to be a business transaction, and that's it. And that, that, that's bullshit, you know, especially when you're dealing with somebody's emotions and everything. I think you feel, yeah, you have to hold on to yourself to help the client, help the individual, but you still can hurt you can still feel you're human and those individuals in this field that are so cold and so business-like um i'd like to throat punch them as well because i think they just they do a disservice so going to you know, get on this. Like I mentioned, you can be the grief and loss. You know, we talk about not only say if you're diagnosed with cancer, you have lost kids like Rhonda has. Um, you know, I, I can't relate. You know, the only thing I can do, you know, is try to imagine it, And it, that's all I can do. I don't ever pretend to endure what my clients, what other people, students or whatever have endured in their life. Oh, my God, no. I can, the only thing I can do is try to put myself, um, you know, what, imagine what it would be like. And that, that doesn't even do it justice, uh, you know, with my clients, students, whatever, in certain situations, I don't ever pretend to, um, you know, I want them to tell me, I want to learn from them what they're going through. So if you have a loved one out there, the first thing you can do, oh, I know, I can relate, whatever, all that stuff. You know what? You need to knock it off because you might not be able to relate to the death of a loved one, um, especially a child in a situation as well. The only thing you can do, you know what? You want to learn from them. Tell, oh, my God, what what is it like, man? I, I, I can only imagine. That's all I can do and those are the people, you know, that the true friends, I shouldn't say true friends, but people, they're so awkward. They're so, what do I say? What do I do? And one aspect of, you know, dealing with someone, say you have a friend, a family member that have lost a loved one, and I'll, I'll get into other dynamics, you know. When I get to the coping mechanisms, coping skills that hopefully help, and like I said, this is not an end-all, be-all. Uh, you know, I got a short amount of time on, on the air this evening. Um, and it, it's, you know, Rhonda just mentioned, it's the longest journey ever. And it is a journey. It is, um, you know, it's a day-to-day struggle for a lot of these individuals. And I try to help them where it's not a day-to-day struggle that they have. 
and how I put it, I want them to have more better days than bad days or, you know, more easier days. That might be a better term. Uh, a lot more easier days than days that they struggle and everything else. And when you lose, you know, the loved one and a child or, you know, of a child, you know, it's very disheartening. And all of a sudden we start losing maybe our purpose of, uh, you know, purpose of living. Maybe we're a parent and that's all we live for and we lost a child and all of a sudden our purpose and our identity, everything else goes out the window. So we don't know who we are anymore. And all of a sudden the grief that we have um, held on to, it starts almost serving a purpose for us. And I will get into that in a little bit uh, later as well. But a lot of things I'm going to go back to, you know, especially when you have lost a loved one, right? A lot of people, let's face it, me, I, I've been to, oh God, I'm talking a long time ago. I've been to my first child's funeral. I had a close close friend of mine. They uh, lost their daughter to leukemia at age eight. And it is, um, I swore I would never, ever go to a child's funeral again. Um, it, it just sucked. I, there's, oh, my God. And I'm trying to hold my composure now. And this was years ago, and it still bugs me. I swore I'd never go to a child's funeral again. This was years ago. And I've been to probably, oh, God, I want to say, give or take 17 funerals with the uh, death of children over the years. And it is, um, some of them were clients of mine, some of them, you know, family, friends, friends of mine. Um, it, it just sucks. <laughs> um, I'm trying to laugh, but there's no laughing about that. And you look at the dynamics, and one thing, when you have lost a loved one, Especially with the not only the initial shock of that, a lot of people, you know, it's awkward, you know, what do I say? How can I do? And all this stuff. And it's funny, all of a sudden, you know, you not only might want to isolate individuals, right? You don't want to talk to anyone. You don't want to screw you. I just want to run. I want to freaking hide somewhere. Everybody leave me alone. And, you know, I'm not, not stereotypical that. We look at the situation that you might not want to run and hide. Um, There's some people like that. It's not stereotypical. You know, people assume you have to act a certain way, right? You have the grieving role that you are supposed to be, right? You're supposed to be sad, all this shit. You're supposed to do that. It's a crock of crap because everybody is different. Everybody grieves differently. Everybody endures pain or how they present that pain or manifest that pain is different to everybody. And everybody should, you know, everybody tries to be the so-called authority figure. Oh, oh, my God, they shouldn't be doing that. They shouldn't be that. You haven't gone through the shit, right? So... You need to get off your high horse and maybe ask what they're going through and what they need from you. They might not even know. People that have endured, um, you know, loss, 
they might not even know what they need. But the one thing is, like I said, when people lose a loved one, not only, you know, a, maybe an older parent, that sort of rationalized, right, that you look at the situation to where, um, you know, the rationalize this, but, oh, my God, say you had a child, you had a husband, wife, uh, brother, sister that committed suicide. Now, son, that grief and loss aspect becomes even more awkward. What do I say? What do I say? Now, almost like you're grieving, and you might want people around you. Maybe not. Everybody's different. That's your own thing. But what happens, you become a plague, right? And I, I don't, I can't, I'm using the word plague because that's what it feels like. That's what it seems like. Not only, you know, from my own experience, but I've heard this from clients, from students, um, numerous people that it's like we become a plague and everybody wants to isolate and get away from us because, oh, my God, their own awkwardness, their own maybe emotional fears and their own discomfort about, you know, what do I say? That's the biggest thing, right? You go to a funeral, oh, my God, what do we say? You know what? Oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. Why? Are you the one that killed him? No, you know, um, you, it's awkward. It's, you know, you don't know what to say. Everybody's different. Just trying to be there is a big thing. So that's what I mean about, you know, when you lose a loved one, not only you lose that, you start being in isolation because you feel no one else can relate to you, which I get. You know, it's not a right or wrong, um, but you look at the situation to where, you know, now people are treating you like the plague, especially, I'm not going to say especially, but, you know, if there has been the traumatic incident of maybe a loved one that committed suicide, oh, my God, we can't talk to them, they're this, and oh, my God, uh, you know, they don't know. So you become further isolated. Then you feel like you're all alone, like on an island, all the uh, situations, and we got, you know, sort of an act of um, chat going on. So please, individuals, you can give me a call. Again, 313-614-9498. Give me a call, you know, any questions you have. Um, and also, you can join us on live chat with the Art of Relationships radio show's own app for Apple and Android devices. You can also join the live chat on Spreaker's own app. They're free. You can uh, also join on Spreaker.com. Do a search for either my name, Greg Dzinski, D-U-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I, or the Art of Relationships radio show, and you should be able to join in to live chat as well. Okay, and I'd love to hear your comments and everything else. And there's an active chat going between a couple of individuals, which is really cool. And they might be able to relate to each other. And, uh, you know, individual chat is, like I mentioned, has a non-curable cancer. They just prolong it. You know, hopefully they'll have a curable cancer real soon. But prolong it, but it's like... When you're living with that, when you're living with a terminal illness or maybe um, you have a loved one that's living with a terminal illness, the isolation, and she mentioned it's the loneliest. You know, I, I'm not even dead yet, and I have lost everybody. And I know 
this individual very well. Um, and, you know, say this all the time that she has lost everybody because of the isolation. They don't know how to respond. Maybe it's their own self-protection that, oh, my God, I don't want to go. I don't know what to say. I don't want to do. I don't want to feel um, I don't want to feel miserable. I don't want to break down because if I break down, start crying, whatever, that's going to make her feel worse. So in the meantime, guess what? We're going to isolate. And uh, shit, I'm going to run and hide and not deal with it, right? Out of sight, out of mind, we ignore it. It doesn't exist. And it creates further isolation, uh, which is not necessarily a very good thing. Um, So the isolation is a big, big thing that I come across with, you know, dealing with clients a lot that have endured the grief and loss aspects, um, that they feel isolated. No one gets them. No one, no one wants to, they might try to reach out, but their own insecurities and emotional upsets or not knowing what to do, okay, my own discomfort, I don't know what to do, so screw that. I'm going to fight through that versus helping or trying to reach out and just say, tell them, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. Whatever you need, that is a big, big plus for you. You know what? Be honest. A lot of people so you know, I got to be perfect. I got to say this. I got to say that. And if I don't know what to say, oh, screw this. You know, I'm wrong on this. You know, I want people to be able to, it sucks. Let's face it. Grief and loss situations, they suck. They hurt they're grueling. Um, they're not easy, okay? And when other individuals, you, you can say, you know what? I can't even imagine what you're going through. You know, it sucks. And tell them, I, I'm here for you. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Be honest about it. And I teach, you know, even with couples, how am I going to relate this to couples? But I teach them to be vulnerable. And I teach individuals to be vulnerable and still you can still be demand respect and integrity and everything not getting treated like crap. Um, but being okay with the insecurities, being okay you don't know all the answers. Be okay with that you don't need to know all the answers, but you can ask. You know what? Tell them. I don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. And that can do just wonders for the individuals that are, you know, grieving, that are going through all these aspects. Um, The isolation is huge. Some people want that. You know, some people feel better about being isolated, shutting everybody else, because it's almost like a reminder and refreshing all the loss all the time. It's almost like you have to go through the story, and almost you're almost like living the trauma all over again, uh, talking to people about it, talking to relatives. Oh, my God, you know, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I need a break. You have a right to be have a break. You have a right to be isolated, and people need to understand it. Some people might try to force you to do stuff, right? Force you to be social, force you to do this and do that and all this stuff. And you know what? They might mean well, but it might not be what you need. It might not be what is best for you. Now, if you are succumbed to a total isolation for a long period of time, and you know, a long period of time could be you know, oh my God, you know, every situation is different. It could be three months, four months, 
five months, whatever, where you start isolating everybody else out because, you know, let's face it, if you get close to somebody and they die or leave you, it hurts and you're never going to feel that way again. So you close everybody out. That's not healthy. And that's where the self-loathing comes into place. That's where the ruminations about the grief and the loss and you push everybody away because almost, you know, you don't want to be reminded, I get it. But what happens is you start starting to dwindle away as an individual. And the hardest thing for a lot of people to maybe get, to try to understand, and I try to help, that even though your loved one is not here anymore, you're still living and I think a lot of individuals have a hard time, you know, with the isolation and all that stuff, is that they almost feel guilty for trying to move on and trying to live their life again, that almost holding on to the pain and the misery is that, okay, this is my way of showing my loved one that I actually love them and care and I'm miserable without them. Yeah, I get that. But it's almost like you're afraid, not really afraid that it doesn't feel right. It almost feels guilty that you can be happy again and you can sort of live your life even though if your child's not with you anymore or, you know, a spouse, sibling, mother, dad, you know, whatever you want to call it or a pet even, that it's almost like you feel guilty for being able to move on and to heal from that grief. And almost, you know, not healing makes you feel more constantly close to that individual that you lost. And it also tends to, um, you know, almost in a way serve a purpose that, you know what, it's almost like you live as a martyr that, oh, my God, if I heal, if I laugh again or joke around, move around, that means I really didn't love them. And, oh, my God, I feel so guilty like a terrible mom, terrible dad, brother, sister, sibling, whatever, that, oh, my God, if I start doing that again, you know, I start living and being happy and smiling, joking around again. It almost serves, you know what, a purpose that I don't care I don't really, I didn't really love him because I'm living my life like not, no, 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 no. I get it. I understand all those dynamics. And I try to help clients realize that you can still feel bad, still miss your loved one, but you can also live your life again. That, and I don't mean this in a cold way, but it's like you are still living, even though, you know, your loved ones, your children, um, you know, whatever have passed on and can you sort of embrace life again but a lot of times we don't want to do that we don't want to be happy again because what could happen right something even you know it could happen again we could lose another uh, loved one we could use this and us and it's almost like you're setting yourself up and also wham your legs are cut out from under you again and you're disappointed um big time okay and i know Rhonda. um oh my god dealing with the losses you have endured over the years um you know i i can i had a friend of mine when i used to work for chrysler years ago 
She lost also three to a rare blood disease, uh, genetic blood disease, um, that she lost three of her four children, her and her husband, and she was older, almost retirement time, and also lost a daughter-in-law to a car accident. And the four childs had the same blood disease and uh, was worried about that, breathing, um, all those aspects. So it's very difficult. Um, and you start looking at, Rhonda mentioned a great point. You know, I had so many regrets and guilt for things I wish I would have done differently. That is very human. And, you know, we can have guilt and everything else, but I try to get people on the situation, I wouldn't say in the situation, I try to get people to realize, you know, start looking at the good that you do. We, we're not perfect, right? We all screw up, you know. We start trying to almost exaggerate our regrets and trying to bash us because it, it, it you know, it helps us hold on that, you know, the depression kicks in with the grief and loss aspects that we hold on. We're very negative focus. And I try to flip that script around with a lot of people. Even when I teach death and dying um, classes as well, you try to flip that script around and look at, you know what, you were a good mother. You were a great parent, a great sibling, whatever. You were always there for them. You know, and we can't always be there for everybody 24-7. Hell no. But, you know, you look at the good, and it's so easy. And I think, the, you know, the good people, you know, like Rhonda out there mentioned about so many regrets and guilt, that, you know, we can't be perfect. And also we start rationalize, trying to say, you know, oh, my God, if I would have done something different, if I would have done this, you try to rationalize. And that self-blame will be almost like acid and eat you alive, okay? Again, it's not very easy, um, but we'll get more into details. I am going to take a little break, okay? Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I know it's a very heavy-hearted situation, very heavy-hearted topic tonight about you know dealing with uh, or enduring grief and loss, especially through the upcoming holidays, you know, one being tomorrow. And, you know, with Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever you practice or, you know, if you don't practice anything either. Um, and during, you know, through the holidays about the grief and loss and how can you conceptualize that to help you through it and maybe trigger to where you can start living your life in a healthy way. And that doesn't mean you don't miss your loved one that passed or that you don't um, give a shit or don't care. It just means you, you can still miss them and still live your life and try to find a new purpose again, okay? Um, I will get more into these dynamics after the short break. This is the Art of Relationships Radio Show. Coming to you, I'm live now, coming to you from downtown Detroit. You can also listen to rebroadcasted, re-recorded, or rebroadcasted shows at podcastdetroit.com. Art of Relationships Radio Show is also offered on the recorded shows are offered on Podcast Detroit. So you can, it's offered on Sunday night at 9 p.m. And please, you know, check out Podcast 
Detroit.com. A lot of talented people, a lot of other shows out there, anything from sports to uh, music to geek stuff, IT stuff, um, you know, movies, video games, all that stuff, and, you know, popular interest aspects as well. And so check them out, podcastdetroit.com. I will be back right after this break. Thank you for listening. This is Darda Relationships Radio Show. See you in a few minutes. Thank you. If you're looking for that unique, cool fashion statement, check out Shoes by Shay on Facebook. She has hand-painted, uh, hand-designed canvas shoes for you, your loved one. It's an inspirational piece unique to your own taste. Check out Shoes by Shay on Facebook. Again, that's Shoes by Shay on Facebook.
It's Greg Dzinski back here. This is the Art of Relationships radio show. And you can give me a call live, 313-614-9498. Or join me on the live chat if uh, you're interested to join. Like I mentioned, it's confidential. I'm not going to throw out your name. Uh, even if you give me a call live or join us on the live chat with the Art of Relationships Radio Show's own app or Spreaker's own app, both free for Android and Apple devices. 
I definitely respect your privacy and confidentiality. If you want to give me your name, that's cool. You know, give me your name, give me permission to use your name, that's fine. But I will not ask uh, for your name whatsoever, okay? Um, as I say on every show, it's not out of disrespect or me being a jerk. It's more about me respecting your privacy and your own, uh, you know, being anonymous. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, this show this evening is um, outside the norm, not my norm, not definitely not my clinical practice whatsoever, but about the art of relationships radio show's norm and stepping outside uh, that box a little bit, uh, especially with the holiday seasons uh, underway, if you will, uh, talking about grief and loss and how many people out there have endured or are enduring uh, you know, loss of a loved one, loss of a pet, or even maybe loss of an identity, say, from a debilitating or, you know, a disability that has endured from an accident or an acute or even a chronic illness, um, to see what those situations, you know, are. So there's a lot of grief and loss aspects that will, you know, endure and all this stuff. Uh, trying to get through that. And the first uh, couple portions of the show, you know, talking about, you know, isolation that you do with that and talking about how many people they might not be able to relate to you and look at the situations. Yeah, I know individual on chat. She's not baking cookies. She's probably, or she might be baking cookies. If I know her well, she's probably making freaking cookies or cakes in the shape of a penis. So <laughs> I, I guess I shouldn't joke around when it, talking about grief and loss aspects. Um, <laughs> I had to throw that. I had to lighten the mood a little bit because um, it's very disheartening, very, uh, you know, it's uh, depressing. It's an emotional, grueling topic, you know, especially with the holidays and you start losing, um, you know, when you lose a loved one, you know, they died on you, or you look at the dynamics that, you know, you're missing them, you're, you know, missing them for the holidays, you're used to their smile, they're joking around, or whatever they are, their personality, even if they were a jerk, um, you know, you can miss them, you just miss the comfort of them, you know, being around, or maybe the use, you know, you're used to being around that individual, and, you know, going through the tragedy and, um, you know, the loss or death of a child. It's just ugh, grueling. So like I said, this topic this evening is stepping outside the regular um, format, if you will, of the show. But it, it's important. I want to try to help people out there enduring loss and enduring um you know, trying to help you through these situations. We talk about isolation, not only you isolating yourself, but those people, like I, you know, reference, you know, they're almost treating you like a plague that, okay, okay, I don't know how to talk to them. We'll stay away from them or avoid them. And it might be just the opposite. Another aspect, I think it also depends to how your loved one died. You know, if they had uh, cancer, if they in a car crash, oh my God, I can relate all with that. But heaven forbid if they committed, you know, suicide or, you know, something happened, though, you know, that aspect that were you 
um, they, oh my God, we can't talk to them, whatever. That makes it even worse. So how they die, or maybe um, a loved one, oh, deed. And also no one wants to talk to you, no one whatsoever. They further isolate you. And I talk about this very thing when I teach death and dying to where, you know, it, it sucks because you're still you're grieving. You lost a loved one, and it shouldn't matter how they died. And a lot of people take you know consequences and try to look at those aspects that you know what? Oh, it does matter. You know they're stupid. They're this. They shouldn't have done that. Whatever. And it doesn't matter. It's about losing you know a loved one. It shouldn't matter how they die. And people need to wake up and. They need to, you know, find a situation. It doesn't, you lost a loved one. That's all that matters. And to be able to be there, and even like I mentioned before, the last break, even if you don't know what to say, if you're listening to it and trying to help somebody out, you don't have to know what to say. You don't, be honest. And I talked about this before the break. You know, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do, but you know what? I'm here for you. Tell me what you need. And you go from there. And I know, Rhonda, I missed my boy something horrible. I know that. My daughter died a few hours after she was born full term. Um, I know. It, it Even, you know, a few hours after she was born, Rhonda, and I know your boys, you know, a lifetime of memories, um, it's disheartening. And you look at, you know, I think a lot of people um, that endure this, they're so afraid I don't know if, yes, I know I almost said your name. You didn't give me permission to use your name. Um, You know, both stillborn, and I know those situations, you know, that you live, the expectations, especially when you lose a child or maybe lose a loved one when you're married, maybe due to a heart attack, car accident, uh, you know, an acute disorder, uh, medical condition, that happens and you look at the situation that you know you expect you know we have all these expectations our kid when they're born you know freaking maybe you know women nine nine ten months that they're um you know waiting to be born in your situation all these expectations all these dreams you have for the kid and they're crushed you know they're born stillborn they're born you know shortly after birth or even when you lose, you know, it could be, you know, teenagers, even young adult kids, all these expectations. Oh, my God, I can't wait till maybe they get married, give me grandkids, be this and that. All these expectations are a huge, huge hindrance. And they sort of, that in itself is a grieving aspect, which a lot of people need to realize that it is also, you know, the grieving missing the loved one expectations you had maybe you wanted to retire together you know you and your spouse and all of a sudden you know you get married in a horrific accident you're in your mid late 20s and thinking the whole world's ahead of you and it's shaken like i said even you know with the divorce situation um you know that's a loss all those expectations so there's a lot of dynamics to grief and loss that a lot of people they don't yeah, yeah. They they look at one aspect. You missed that loved one that isn't you know no longer here anymore. That's all they look at. They don't look at the expectations that go into it. And I'm not talking you no know, expectations on our kids, whatever, right or wrong. Um, I think 
you know, we need to allow our kids to find their own expectations. But you look at the situation um, that the dynamics that you look at, um, they're unique to each individual, okay? And you need to do what works for you, an individual. Don't assume everybody grieves the same way. Don't assume everybody goes through, you know, the stages of grief. We, you know, I think most people know that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. You know, you talk about the denial, the anger, being pissed off, maybe depression, and then, you know, the longing, and then, you know, the acceptance. Okay, you accept that they're not here anymore. You might not like it. You're still missing them. Everybody goes through stages differently. You might not go through all of them. Everybody is freaking different, okay? Um, You look at, you know, going on to the situation, what tends to help? And I want to get more on the dynamics of, you know, coping mechanisms and what you can do out there, maybe if you're listening to the show this evening, that you can help a loved one that is enduring the horrific, you know, pain of losing a loved one. And those that are, you know, maybe listening and are enduring the loss of a loved one or, you know, like the individuals, the ladies. Oh, my God. Did I say ladies on the live chat? That is, oh, my God, am I freaking exaggerating? Um, when I say ladies on live chat, oops, no, sorry, you know, getting that, you know, coping mechanisms or coping strategies to endure grief, you know, we talk about trying to, you lose expectations, number one. Another aspect, you know, is, you know, some individuals like, (laughs) I just got, (laughs) someone just said, bite me, Greg, (laughs) on chat, yeah, yeah, you wish, anyways, (laughs) Go back to making your penis brownies or penis cakes. No. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm not supposed to laugh during this topic. Anyways, uh, maybe we all need a laugh. We need that. Um, you know, some cope, coping strategies, a lot, a lot of issues. You know, we talk about, you know, healthy, unhealthy aspects. You know, unhealthy aspects, of course, People know, you know, you start drinking maybe too much. You start maybe using drugs that, you know, you're using to numb everything out, right? Um, Some other aspects, those are not healthy aspects, and I think those are pretty common. Another aspect is to a lot of people will try to reflect, not I should say, will deflect, um you know, deflect it. They'll try to force the pain away. They'll try to force the pain away. They'll try to hurry up and rush it away, pretend it doesn't exist, and they're bullshitting themselves that they don't get it. And I tell, you know, individuals, you know, when I do grief and loss counseling with them and try to help that I want you to be okay feeling that way. There's a difference. I don't want you to like it, of course, but I want you, you know what? I'm supposed to be sad. I'm supposed to be freaking heartbroken, maybe devastated. I lost my child. I lost a loved one. I, you know, it's okay to feel that way. And a lot of people try to put on that. I shouldn't feel this way. No one wants to feel this way. There's a difference, you know. 
there's a huge difference between wanting to and trying to fight it, trying to fake it. And I tell people, the more you're okay with, you know what, I'm hurting, I feel like crap, that you're okay with that, okay? Um, and that you fight it. I want you to, you know, maybe embrace it, you know, to be okay with the situation. And you look at it that, um, you know what, I lost a loved one. I'm supposed to be okay. I'm supposed to be sad. I'm supposed to be maybe, you know, depressed. But we look at, you know, how long the grieving process, everybody's different. Every, like I mentioned the first segment of the show, you know, it looks at that, you know, oh, you get three days, your employer, right? In America, you get three days bereavement pay or days off, hurry up, get back to work, which is a bunch of crap. Um, it, it, it's, that's just, you know, I don't even have to say how asinine that is. Um, you look at, you know, first off, the coping mechanism, like I said, embrace that you're sad. It's okay. Don't try to fight it. There's a difference between trying to work through it and trying to force yourself through it, trying to pretend it doesn't exist and trying to force yourself through the situation, okay? You look at the dynamics of, you know what, you got a right to feel like crap and shit. Now, we look at, you know, after whatever amount of time, it's very subjective, you know, we look at, you know, how your life is affected and, you know, are you stop, are you stop living? Are you stop um, being miserable? Are you able to laugh at times? Are you able, you know, to do this and try to get, and I love this term in the psychobabble terms, normal level of functioning. You just lost a loved one. You Maybe you lost a child. You want to tell me what the hell it means, normal level of functioning. And that's where I'm totally different than a lot of textbook therapists. I look at a case-by-case, situation-by-situation, and what works for that individual, you know? Everybody's different. But I want to help you try to get back into the situation, um, you know, to try to renew a purpose again, okay? I got a individual... Um, on chat that's asking a question. I don't know if she's asking Rhonda or asking me. <laughs> you know, based on the fact that I laugh all the time about my situation, you know what? That's how you deal with it. And we're talking about the individual with, um, you know, if you want to say uncurable, um, uncurable cancer, you know, that she laughs about it all the time. It might be your way of dealing with it and laughing about it. It's your coping mechanism. Is it unhealthy? Not at all. And you you know, you and me talk, uh, text uh, often. And, um, you know, look about, you know, the only time I cry is behind closed doors, being told this made me question my sanity. Not at all. And we talked about this before. Uh, you and I, and I'm talking to live, you know, listeners out there that are not on chat. This question is bringing me, bringing up on the live chat, you know, and during that, that you cry behind closed doors, that's your thing, okay? Um, it's a situation where, you know, 
and I, I know you, you, you're worried about everybody else. You're worried about trying to protect, you know, kids, your husband, all this situation. You want to remain strong with that. And you know me, how many times have I told you, you do not have to be strong all the time. Get it? Duh. <laughs> um, you're you're looking at the situation. No, you don't have to be strong all the time. And it doesn't make you whack, crazy, whatever, that you just cry behind closed doors. It's the way you deal with it. And sometimes you look at it um, that it's not crazy. It's how you deal with it. And it almost is... You know, when you laugh, it kicks up the endorphins all the time. And you could have, uh, you know, a different perspective on life. It's your way of handling it. It doesn't make it whack crazy. Remember, um, beginning of the show, I mentioned everybody, you know, has their own opinion. Or you, you can hear left and right how many people, um, you know, they want you to live this and I know Rhonda, you we talked about this when you were in my death and dying class. That um, everybody assumes you play the grieving role, right? You play. I agree, Rhonda. Laughter is for the you know food of the soul. They come up to live listeners, just to let you know it's in the live chat with individuals. But you look at the dynamics that laughter is the food for the soul, so it's different. Everybody assumes you are too grieve a certain way. You're supposed to act a certain way, okay? You are supposed to, you know, behave. You're supposed to be the grieving person. You're supposed to be sad, crying all the time, not wanting to talk, supposed to be secluded. That's that's crazy. It's a bunch of bullshit that people don't get it, you know? And this is about you. This is about the individual or family that is grieving the situation that, you know, you sort of have to do what works for you. So when you mention individual on chat, when you mention about laughing and, you know, about your cancer in that situation, that you literally can't talk about it without laughing. That's how you deal with it. And maybe how you, you know, it's a coping mechanism. It's not whacked. It's not crazy. So don't ever, ever Get into the mindset that what people think about that is that you're wrong, whatever. You know what? Screw them. This is your life, and it's not wrong, you know, that you laugh talking about cancer and what you're going through and the treatment and the horrific nuts. Um, Well, hold on. I didn't say you're not nuts. I just said you're not crazy about this situation. <laughs> you know me, we joke around all the time. <laughs> I didn't say you're not nuts. I just said you're not nuts about laughing about your cancer. There's a difference. <laughs> you know I'm joking with you. No. <laughs> um, no, you're not nuts. Not at all. She's yeah, LMA uh, or yeah, LMA. A oh laughing my ass off, she said. Um no, you look at the situation. No, you're not crazy for laughing and talking about it. your way of dealing with it, almost like a, a cartoon character. And there's like I said, crime behind closed doors. That's your way of dealing with it. Don't ever let somebody um get you into a guilt and shame thing 
that you should act a certain way when you're grieving, when you're losing, especially when, you know, you're about your, I'm slow tonight. Yeah, I know I am slow tonight. Um, it's a tough subject. <laughs> it's an emotional subject, so I'm slow, and it might be the few um, beverages <laughs> I had before the show as well. Um, going back to, I want, I want to get back to the dynamics of, you know, coping mechanisms and, you know, what you're dealing with, you know, the age old textbook strategy talk about, you know, you can have a keepsake, okay, you know, a keepsake box, treasure chest, uh, shelf, some people have a room that those are, you know, healthy situations, you know, and, you look at what is, you know, a lot of people want to hold on to the memories, the pain, the loss, the sense of purpose, but you can keep that individual alive, you know, spirit alive, if you will, within you. They will never, ever leave you. Um, But you look at the situation, you know, you could still have their pictures up. You can have a keepsake box that you go into. If it causes you, you know, pain, every single day and it's causing you to disrupt your life i'm talking you know i'm not talking after a week no i'm talking after an extended period of time then by all means you know get help you know see someone that is very in tune to grief and loss issues um support groups for grief and loss can be good the downside to certain support groups you can feed off of each other's depression and misery and there's no transition into goodness and healing um their intent is awesome but with support groups with grief and loss they almost feed off of each other the depression negativity and the sorrow and i get that and there's almost they don't allow for and i'm not going to say all of them but a lot of them they don't allow for healing to commence to take place and to give yourself permission to be able to heal and move on that you know what i can i'm still alive i can still live so what do i have to do so keepsake boxes is a big thing okay shelf but you know you can have memorabilia absolutely not a big deal okay um how many people out there that lost a loved one and i ask this with clients and students whatever that do you talk to the deceased Oh, I love that. Uh, Rhonda, yeah. Mikey's two-year anniversary is coming up, as is my daughter. So I tried to support groups. Too sad. Rhonda, you, that, so you sort of relate to what I was talking about, right? Um, I believe these things help with the stage of grief and loss, but I also agree you can get stuck. And that's where I think a lot of them, they can help with those that you, other people are enduring the same type of pain. That's where the support groups are good because you have other people that relate to that. But they also, like I said, it's like a dog chasing its tail. They can also create and maintain the grief and the sadness and loved one. And there's no, um, there's no moving through that. You know that since. Uh, well, I got to be careful, you know, mention about going through and getting stuck. And we want to help you be able to move past that. That doesn't mean you're going to forget 
your loved one. That doesn't mean, that's one thing you have to tell, you know, be able, giving yourself permission to move on. That doesn't mean you don't miss that individual, that you're, you're not, you know, you didn't love that person. You still don't love that person that is deceased, that it just, you know, you can still love them and move on. It's uh, almost like a two-way street in a positive way. Okay, Cynthia, (gasps) thank you. I can use your name. I know I slipped, sorry. Um, But looking at, you know, dynamics, one thing, you know, like I said, acknowledge your hurt. Don't fake the hurt and the pain, okay? Um, So many people try so hard and it's so exhausting to put on happy faces, to put on all this stuff, okay? Um, And it's very, very difficult. And so acknowledge the hurt. Keepsake boxes. You know, talking to the deceased is, you know, you know, you can tell them I miss them. Oh, you know, oh, my God, I remember. Even, like, you can go through a memory box. And a lot of people, I try to hit on, you know, the laughters, the jokes, uh, maybe the funny times. A lot of people have a hard time with this, too, though, because, of course, it might stir up missing them and want those happy joking around times again. A lot of people can laugh and give them a sense of peace by remembering the good times, the happy times. Um, gives them a sense of peace and a sense of cherishing those moments, even though you will not have those again with that individual, okay? Um, so remember the good times, the joking around times. They can You can cherish them and use them as a piece to where, you know, you can move on and I remember these good times, almost like a, a life review, if you will. I don't know what else you want to call it. Um, a reminiscing piece to where you can go back and remember those good times, okay? Um, another aspect is what would it take to get maybe, I mentioned this before, about a, re, a repurpose, okay? Um, a, a new sense of purpose of who you are as an individual and a new identity. You can be... Um, Oh, my God. I yell at Mike all the time for his choice in women who are now the mothers of my grandson. Uh, he was thinking with the... <laughs> Rhonda! <gasps> he was thinking with the wrong hand. Us damn guys always do that, right? And as you ladies out there are baking your penis cakes and pies and cookies... Um, <laughs> candy cane, so bully. Um, <laughs> but they can, you can find comfort in storytelling, right? Storytelling can be very, very therapeutic. And even with that, you know what, when you talk to the deceased, you know, oh my God, I remember this time we did that. It was so fun. I remember you did this and I laughed my ass off. Those can bring cherished memories and in a healing aspect. Okay. Going back to typical man. No, I'm not typical, Cynthia. You know that. <laughs> the dynamics you look at, you know, new routines, new rituals, you know, a lot of people when, you know, you enjoy doing stuff, you might enjoy doing stuff, you know, with your child that passed away or loved one and everything else that all of a sudden I can't do that anymore, that um, it reminds me, right? It makes me sad because we used to do that. My husband, my wife used to do that. Me and my, uh, daughter, my son, whatever, we used to do this, we used to love this, and I can't do that anymore. Stuff you enjoy, you stop 
doing because of the loved one. I get it. It, it, you know, it creates pain, all those aspects. But you can also use those to sort of reminisce. Yeah, they used to do this. It was so cool, you know, whatever, do that. But again, I don't want you to sacrifice something you enjoyed doing. You know, can you enjoy that without that individual? I know. It, it, I don't mean to be blunt and to sound... You know, I, I don't. I know it's very difficult and very hard to do that. It's almost like, you know, you try to have those, you're living your life again, enjoying those things because you enjoy them, okay? So, you know, I get this all the time. You know, everything I like, we did together. We did everything together, and it's very difficult that you become a mesh. Your own identity is tied up. You don't have your own identity. All your identity is wrapped up into the grief and loss. And as you being a couple, being a mother, sibling, whatever the situation is, um, so they think, you know, all of a sudden, I need to change everything. If I like to, I don't know, go to the zoo, go to the movies, go dancing, whatever, uh, bowling, uh, art galleries, bars, music, concert, I, I'm throwing stuff out there, sporting events, that, oh, I can't do this anymore because we did that. Another aspect, part of doing those things, again, that you enjoy without your loved one being there is the amount of guilt. It's almost like you feel like you're cheating on them, okay? It's almost like, oh, my God, what's with the double thing? Double type, Cynthia. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> I often do things with my kids. I do with my grandparents. I feel they are near, and it gives me gives me operant, huh? Oh, anyway, Cynthia, you might have to explain that. Oh, opportunity to share stories with the kids. That's cool. It's keeping their memory alive, which is healthy. You can do that. It's when you start dwelling and stuck on those memories as a way to hold you in place, to hold you in the grief, to hold you in the grief and the loss and the depression that you use them and where they cause problems. I'm all about, I mentioned about storytellings are very, very healthy when it comes to grief and loss. It's just when, if you're using them to hold on, um, to let go, then that's where they become unhealthy. And a lot of people I had a former client today. We were texting back and forth today, and she said, Greg, and text, Greg, your questions, you know, what you're saying is pissing me off. And I told her, um, you know what? You can be pissed off. That's okay. I'm here to help you. And I'm trying to get you maybe to look at different aspects and looking at, you know, does holding on to misery, not being able to move on, does that serve a purpose? for you is that your way because if you start moving on if you start laughing joking again living your life does the guilt come in does the guilt come back back saying that you know what i'm enjoying my life and i shouldn't because i lost a child because i lost you know my husband my wife whatever sibling that that guilt, it's that situation again. I can't do this. You know, everything we, you know, everything I like we did together and everything. I can't do that anymore because it feels like you're, it's almost like you're cheating, if you will, on the one that 
passed away. It's almost like, you know, you're moving on again, and it holds you stuck there. So, you know, being stuck, it it almost serves a purpose that you're afraid you're going to forget them, that you're always trying to prove your undying love. Because, you know what, if I'm happy, if I'm living my life again, if I'm doing stuff I enjoy that we used to do together, oh, my God, that means I'm a horrible person. Um, yeah, I should be grief-stricken. I, that doesn't mean I don't love them. I, no, it does not at all. And that's where I try to get people that are stuck to look at those dynamics and look at the situation that, um, you know, you have a right to live again. You have a right to laugh and whatever. And to help you with the guilt situation that you can't do those things anymore, okay? Um, You look at that, you know, if you're stuck, look at as part of the grief and loss, part of you, and you might not even be aware of it. It might be buried in your psyche, buried in your, you know, subconscious aspects to where, you know, part of you, you're afraid to move on because what that might mean to you that you might forget your loved one which will never happen that in the guilt and shame for moving on and they're not it's almost like their memory and the love you have for them is holding you hostage hopefully that make uh, hopefully i'm making sense and not talking around in circles so you know those are all aspects that can help you you know cope through the dynamics. And when the holiday season comes, you can remember the good times, right? And it's okay to miss them, miss your loved ones, and and realize those are times to look at the happy times, the joking around and all this stuff, and to almost reminisce about the happy times, okay? <clears throat> and give yourself permission to move on. Also, give your permission to be sad at times. Don't beat yourself up for, you know, during the holiday times for being sad. I'm having a hard time. But look at what can you do, you know, to allow yourself, to give yourself permission to sort of be happy once in a while and all those things. And Cynthia, you mentioned you have to allow yourself to go through the stages. And I think, I don't know if you were on earlier, and I talked about at the beginning of the show about the grief stages, you know, not everybody is going to go through the grief stages in order. They're not going to go, they might not go through all the grief stages. They might go through one, two. They might go from, you know, being pissed off to acceptance, back to pissed off again. Everybody's different. Everybody, you know, tries to assume, oh, you're supposed to go through, you know, what? Denial, anger, bargaining, um, depression, then acceptance. No, no, no. Everybody is freaking different. There's no right way, wrong way. Um, We look at, you know, unhealthy ways and how much it disrupts your life. Um, And I I mean, losing a loved one, it disrupts your life. That isn't what I mean about, you know, where you have a hard time moving beyond that to living your life again and trying to be happy again in the situation. <clears throat> and in Cynthia's situation with your with the cancer, the untreatable cancer dynamics, this is a time to um 
<laughs> they need to take your class. They would go through the stages. Ah, kiss my ass, Cynthia. No. <laughs> How professional is that? Um, but, no, you look at the dynamics. <clears throat> now you made me lose my train of thought. Gee, thanks. Um, but, you know, giving yourself permission to sort of be happy, to enjoy life again, that is a huge, huge thing, you know, why? to be able, you know, give yourself permission to feel sad at times, to grieve at times, especially during the holidays. Don't force it. But again, try to focus on the good stories, the good memories that, and they can bring warmth to you and they can also help you. You know what? I love this. I miss these times, but that means I can still be happy again. Don't allow the guilt and shame from allowing you to move on to heal, okay? Because the guilt and shame, you know, that's what a lot of things that I have found, and I'm not for everybody, I found in many clients over the years that that guilt and shame to move on, it is a huge, huge trigger to keep them stuck because they feel that, oh, I can't live my life again. But I want to go back, you know, touch on the memories and everything, Cynthia, um, with your situation, um, that, you know, to enjoy life now. And we, you and I talked about this extensively. To be able to enjoy your life and try to keep going after your dreams and goals now, you are still living. And to be able to do that, and a lot of people think, and we, you know, you and I talked, and, you know, Rhonda have as well, to where you look at the situation where people want you to play the sick role. They want you to play, you know, oh, my God, dying role. So you should be bedridden. You should be, um, you know, do this. You need to play the sick role. Oh, my God, you have cancer. That's bullshit. You need it's your life, not theirs. And it's funny how people get mad, upset, when we don't meet their expectations of those sick, of the dying role. Um that we try to go after and live our life, but you know what? It's your life. You need to sort of make it all you can, and that doesn't mean what I think your life should be all it can. This is you, nobody else. What your life means to you and what, how you want to make the rest of it um, meaningful, the most meaningful to you, okay? Um, so, you know, other aspects is getting into... You know, maybe routines, getting back, you know, new, maybe you can find new rituals, whatever. Everything we do, we tend, it could be morning routines. These are all aspects that we fight, and it's very difficult. You know, sometimes you might eat breakfast together, have coffee before you go to work together. You know, different aspects that you find that you do this, and it becomes, you're so used to these routines and everything. And when they get, um, shaken up and they get broken where those aren't there anymore. Can you still have those routines with yourself? Can you allow yourself to still have those routines with yourself, okay? Give yourself permission to do that. And if it doesn't work, right? If it doesn't work, then maybe you can shake up the routine. Maybe you can change routine and say, you know what? This is what I want to do, and it's okay. Give myself permission 
to move on, to be able to do that and to heal those dynamics, okay? I want to, um, yeah, with the holiday and everything else, I'm going to be on for a few more minutes yet, okay? I want to give you a little bit of piece of information that is going to maybe help, okay? Start looking at um, maybe the gratitude. You know, are, are you grateful for anything in your life now? Are you grateful for the time that you've had with the loved one? Yeah, I, I get it. We all, you know, we want more. We long for more. That's normal. I think I'd be more worried about if you didn't. <laughs> I mean, boy, you know, you didn't really give a shit, you know. Oh, woohoo! Um, oh my God, I'm glad. Oh my God, I don't have to deal with them anymore. No, not at all. <laughs> but um, to have gratitude, maybe look at dynamics that you know that you did have this time and you enjoyed it, even though it was short lived. To do those aspects, okay. Um, here's some, I'm going to read this off a sheet I give to, uh, clients that might help you. It's a healing process. It's an exercise. Okay. And maybe I should, I'll post it tomorrow on Facebook. Okay. Um, but I'm going to give it, it's almost, you know, what do you wish you would have known? Um, you know, what do you wish you would have known about your loved one that passed away? What would you, you know, what would you wish you would have known about, you know, you know, known as being a parent of a child that passed away or being a grandparent, maybe being a spouse, a sibling? What, what is something that you would have wanted to know about the loved one, okay? Um, then you look at, you know, what, what would you wish would be or have done differently as a parent, grandparent, lover, uh, husband, wife, spouse, those type of aspects. And I know Rhonda, you mentioned about the regrets and this would maybe help those aspects. You can, by going through all these, these will help you get it out of you and let it go. Okay. To be able to let it go. It's another, it's a way of a ritual of healing. Okay. So, you know, what would you have, you know, what would you wish you would have known about the loved one, you know, that you lost, you know, what would you have done differently? Okay. You know, and this goes back to the grateful, you know, what are you thankful, you know, that, you know, that you did do as a spouse, as a sibling, as a mother, father, grandparent, whatever, sibling, best friend. You lost a best friend. You know, what, you know, what are you thankful for that, you know, that you did do as that, you know, being involved in that loved one's life, okay? And I'll, I'll post these, well, maybe tomorrow. I'll try to tomorrow morning on Facebook, okay? Um, I know it's Thanksgiving, but I should be able to do that, okay? So try to take these areas, and I could spend, oh, my God, I could probably spend almost uh, five shows 
going over different coping mechanisms, everything else that might help you. And I'll post some on Facebook uh, that I hand out there. It's another mechanism to help people out as well, okay? Um, Hopefully those listening to the show live or that are going to listen to it, maybe re-record it. You can listen to, you know, recorded shows anytime you want on the apps as well. Um, But, you know, share it. You know, hopefully this will help you out. Hopefully it wasn't too boring tonight. And I appreciate you two ladies joining the live chat. And I want to give... Uh, everybody out there, I want to thank everybody for, you know, clients, um, you know, people that are listening to the show that sort of chime in on Facebook and everything else. These are all mechanisms I try to help people on. And I can't thank everybody out there enough for inviting me into their lives. Um, very flattered. I'm very humbled with those situations. I'm very, very thankful uh, for people invite me into their life and sort of, um, I don't know if you want to say trust in me or, you know, yeah, and trust me with their issues, their challenges and everything else. Yeah, I can be a smart ass, I can be blunt, but I'm also very caring, very compassionate, and I care about people. So, and I want to help people live happier, healthier lives and be, you know, in relationships, be more in love, more connected. That's why I do what I do. Everybody have a very, very safe Thanksgiving, okay? Uh, Peace out. Much love to everybody out there. Take care. The Art of Relationships Radio Show is copyrighted. No one is to use any part of the show without express written consent from myself, Greg Tosinski, or the Art of Relationships. Thank you.